According to a 2019 National Library of Medicine report, alcohol, cannabis, and other drug use by college students has risen hugely over the last few years. Stress, peer pressure, and other factors have contributed to this increase. Now, this rise has often led to lower academic performance, higher levels of unemployment after graduation, and an increased rate of sexual assault. But it's not just substance abuse that's leading to addiction. Social media and gaming have also been shown to be addictive, which can lead to the same negative outcomes. My name is Randy Scott. I'm a licensed mental health counselor at the UW Bothell Counseling Center. And in this week's episode of The Crow's Nest, we take a look at addiction. What does it look like? What do you do if you're worried about someone in your life who might be struggling with addiction? How do you get help? My guest joining me to talk about all of this is Christine Lay, a licensed mental health counselor associate. Christine works as an office-based therapist for the Center for Human Services in Bothell. So I think substance abuse, you know, there's so much um, negative associations with it culturally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we we have this idea when somebody says addictions or drug use or something like that, it's like you have this instant idea of what that looks like. Yes. And so often it's incorrect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I, when I was thinking about this topic, the first words that came to mind were like, are there ways to depathologize and destigmatize a bit? Um, And some thoughts I had around that were, I see addiction as symptom, symptomatic of something deeper going on, and that there are actually lots of ways that people are addicted to things. And and substance use is is one way that um, can be more harmful, I would say, yes, or unhealthful. Yeah. I want to get to all of the different ways that people can be addicted to different things other than just substances. But let's start with 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 substance use, Um, because I think that is the one that I think most people are most common with or are most familiar with. Um, So when we talk about substance use, um, I think the big things that come to mind are alcohol. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Around here, fentanyl is one that comes up a lot. Um, but, you know, there's so many other substances that people use thinking that it's helping them get ahead or get mm-hmm. an edge, especially in college, right, mm-hmm. that can become problematic. Um, one that comes to mind right away is, you know, um, people will take like amphetamines or something to stay awake, to study. Yeah, stay up all night, work on things. Right. Yeah. What, what What's your experience with that when students are saying, look, I'm not addicted to this. I'm just using this so I can, you know, get an edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think with like really any of these substances, especially something like that, where just even um, alcohol sometimes I think can be like, you know, in social situations, it just like yeah. helps me, you know, feel a little bit. And, and so I'd say, okay, um, but let's pay attention to that. And yeah. let's see, when are you using it? How often are you using it? Um, and when might it be uh, a bit of a crutch, if that's okay to say, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So you, you, you want the energy to be staying up all night to study, um, what, what kind of other things have been going on in your week? That's like, what other kind of sleep are you getting? When are you working on your assignments that do you need to be pulling all nighters frequently? But yeah. Right. So, so looking at the bigger picture about what's going on, that's causing you to turn to this. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What a great point also about alcohol, especially for college students in a social setting, right? They'll say things like, oh, you know, I'm just trying to fit in or I'm just trying to relax or Mm -hmm. something like that. So is that, again, one of those things where you would step back, you think, and look at the bigger picture of what's going on that causes them to feel that level of what anxiety, you think? Yeah, definitely. And that's like, you know, something I think is is normal and i mm-hmm. i think part of maybe like a co- college culture at least historically time for experimenting trying new things and i just again that's another place where i want to destigmatize like maybe you will go to a party and you know but i again um paying attention to maybe did this did it start as something social um yeah does it go into other areas of life the bigger picture. Yes. You know, one of my favorite phrases, and I'm sure you've heard this as a counselor, is mm-hmm. it's only a problem if it's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's there are things sometimes we look at and it's like, oh, well, drinking is a problem. Well, maybe, maybe not, right? It depends on how it's impacting your life. I think one of the questions that I get asked a lot is, how do I know if I have a problem? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure that there are some stats out there about like the numbers, you know, but I don't know if right. those are helpful of like, no, I don't either. But it's considered binge drinking or something, but no. Yeah. I think what I would be um, curious about with somebody who's exploring that tracking your habits with your mm. use, when am I doing it? When and how much is it starting to be like a glass of wine? Because I'm a little bit anxious about this test tomorrow. And then it turns into the bottle is it disrupting my sleep? Is it disrupting how I interact with my friends, um, people close to me? Um, am I oversleeping class? I can't show up. Um, just really like, where's it impacting my day-to-day functioning? You know, so far, you know, we uh, like alcohol, it's legal, right? Um, if you're over 21, it's legal to drink and you can use it. Um, so, you know, it's different than say, you know, trying to score meth or something like that, right? But then I also think about one of the things that comes up a lot um, on our campus is we talk a lot about cannabis use, mm-hmm. right? It, when I was a, when I was in college, it was not legal, mm-hmm. right? But there's definitely a change in the in the stigma around it. Yeah. Have you seen that also? Yes, definitely. I think what sometimes when I ask about cannabis use, you know, mm-hmm. for me when I'm asking a student about that. I'm just trying to get an idea of what they're turning to to relax right. or to shut down or to whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's no judgment around it. But I think we're starting, and you tell me what you think, but it sure. seems like we're starting to see a little bit more long-term effects of regular cannabis use. Mm-hmm. Have yeah. you seen that? Yeah. Yeah, I have. And it's another place, again, in the context of this whole conversation, the delicacy around not pathologizing. It is legal. People use it. Um, I don't think it's evil, inherent or anything at all. But again, yeah, when and how long, um, when are you turning to it? How much are you using? I, you know, I kind of put it in the category with other things like alcohol, with screen use, with just if it is, if I'm needing it for some degree of dissociating, because whatever is kind of going on in life, hard, stressful, painful, causes me anxiety. Um, that's just where, again, let's look at your use. Maybe it doesn't even always mean 
it's a hundred percent cut off, but yeah, I do think, um, places I've seen it show up like memory, memory and focus concentration Mm -hmm. as having an impact. So just, you know, you also, you mentioned anxiety and that's one of the great ironies I think around cannabis use, right. Is Mm -hmm. so often people will use it and, and alcohol the same way, right. They'll use it to sleep and to reduce anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't want to get all nerdy here, but you get into the science of it and it actually disrupts your sleep. Both of yeah. those things disrupt your sleep mm-hmm. and mar- marijuana and cannabis use can increase your anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of, I don't know, just general misinformation about how to use it. Yeah, definitely. Right. Not, not using it, but just how to use it. How to use it. Yeah. 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 You mentioned also screen time. I want to talk a little bit about that because that is one thing it's when I, when I talk to students, it's, it's almost a double-edged sword, right? Mm -hmm. They use screen time as a way to unplug and relax and not think about classes Mm -hmm. and it can create problems. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yes. Um, Yeah. I'm thinking about the scroll a lot. This is okay. What I hear from my clients of all ages, to be honest, youth to adults. Um, Yeah. Just again, it can be used so many ways. A lot of times I do hear it of uh, it's, it's something that keeps me from actually accomplishing my goals and sticking to my schedule is the way, unfortunately I hear I'm on YouTube. I'm looking to just to laugh or to have fun or, or even like learn something interesting, but still hours pass. Um, Again, one of those things where I think just be curious about when and how you're using it. Can it be like, yep, I've got this this assignment to complete and then I get to do my my 15 minutes of Instagram or my, you know, something. Oh, that's a great idea. So using it almost like as a as a reward. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that. I like that. It's like, yeah, you're, you don't use it as a distraction, but using it as a reward. You're going to use it anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think you you were alerting to there was like doom scrolling, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. And I do that too. Yeah. Right? And I'm, I'm wondering, do you have any ideas, any suggestions on how to dial that down a little bit? I don't want to say mm-hmm. break that habit, but just, just, just reduce it. Yeah. Dial down the doom scrolling. Um, right. <laughs> yes. I do that too. Yeah. I mean, in throwing in the word mindful, which I just mean to say paying attention, um, I would say personally, if I'm if it's like looking at news or or interesting but maybe difficult content, I come away feeling worse, you know, worse than before. Mm. So whatever was meant to be my distraction, my dissociation, I have five minute break, I'm gonna scroll. Do I actually come away feeling better? Just can you just check in with the end of that? How do I feel? Pay attention. Um, I think there are real limit things you can set. I know you can override them too on your phone. <laughs> so I'm, that's right. a great answer. Um, but with all of these things, the bigger conversation of substances, whatever they are, I do just think about not right or wrong, good or bad, but healthful and unhealthful. So like, mm-hmm. again, if, if I could spend five minutes taking a walk, getting a breath of fresh air, even not even a walk, just um, what might be something that it will actually fill what I'm wanting, um, peace of mind for a minute, um, a little bit of lowered anxiety, 
what things actually create that, um, that I could really turn to and check in with, um, rather than turning to some of these substances that, that might actually feel like they're helping, but may have the opposite effect sometimes. Yeah. I like that you mentioned, um, mindfulness too, because I think mindfulness is one of those things that I think is really misunderstood. Mm -hmm. I think people think that that means, oh, that means I have to, you know, meditate and I have to do yoga three times a day. And and it's like, no, that's not what mindfulness is. What what did you say? It's about being aware. I said paying attention. Paying attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Getting curious about, okay, what am I doing right now? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. You know, I want to I want to shift gears here a little bit because so often um, we don't, as humans, realize that we have a problem until something serious happens, right? We don't realize we have a drinking issue until we get popped for a DUI, right? Often it's our friends and family mm-hmm. who are saying, "Hey, I'm worried about you." Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with friends and family or professors right? Or Mm -hmm. staff on campus, right? If you're seeing something that is concerning, let's start with what would be considered concerning behavior that would trigger, I'm worried about you conversations, do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think likely the ways that it would show up would be um, in behavior and maybe like presentation. So is somebody often coming to class really sluggish, tired? Mm. Are they are they not showing up at all to class? Is there some change in like they were doing assignments, getting getting good grades or okay grades, and then there's some sort of shift in that or change? Mm. Big changes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'd be looking at. I think that's a, that's a really great point, um, mm. and it can be a really difficult conversation to have with folks. You know, I, I, I'm I'm curious if if like a friend or a family member or professor is listening to this and they're like, I want to talk to a student about this, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid it's going to scare them. I'm afraid it's going to drive them away. So I'm afraid it's going to shame them. Totally. Yes. How do you have those conversations? Right. Yes. I think, yeah, I see kind of the twofold ways of like, um, yeah, what decreases the shame? The person who's seen seen the actions, and then the person who who's who's in it. You know, mm-hmm. um, because I always would recommend like gentleness, kindness, um, not a, as much as possible, no judgment or condemnation. Um, just this is what I'm seeing, and I care, and um, I'm curious. You know what might be going on. And then it's on on the person to like, it's not easy at all. Gosh, to be to maybe feel caught a little bit, like oh gosh, somebody has seen this now. But you know, it college is a stressful time. Life is a stressful time. <laughs> like um, sometimes we're going to need need help and need people speaking into us um, and maybe giving us that little nudge of of what could I do to to get help? And that's like okay, there's nothing there's nothing shameful in that. Right, right. You know, I, I one of the things we've we've kind of talked about throughout this whole conversation that I want to get more specific about is so often, mm-hmm. not always, but so often when folks are turning to substances, it's because of something else going on in their life. Mm-hmm. Right. It seems like like we've talked a little bit about anxiety, right? Yeah. But also trauma, 
Mm-hmm. You know, you experience something really painful. Yes. You kind of want to numb it. Yeah. Right. Definitely. What would you say to somebody who's maybe coming into your office and that's what they're doing? Mm-hmm. Numbing because of trauma, yeah. depression, anxiety, something. Yeah. I've yeah. got hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to feel. That's why I get baked or I get drunk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think something that I really want people to know is, is to feel validated in a way. No wonder, gosh, it's like, it's so understandable. You would not want to be feeling the way that you're feeling. That's like <laughs> your body, your mind are are going to be doing things to try to protect, protect you so you can survive. Um, and it's showing up in the the actions that you're choosing. Um, so I'd want to start there, that there is a reason and there's a good reason. It's not that you're just, I don't know, I'm lazy. I'm whatever. I'm giving into peer pressure. I'm some whatever kind of self-critical thing. That's where I'd like to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and over time, move towards the cho- choices that are helpful, unhelpful, you know, this seems yeah. to showing like impacting your life in these ways. What could be some other choices that we explore together? Yeah, because facing, oh gosh, facing pain and emotions, that's scary. Definitely. Right. It makes yeah. total sense that you wouldn't want to face it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the other things that um we haven't really touched on yet is and again, this is difficult because we don't want to get too much into the like the science of all this, but there's mm-hmm. so much research coming out right now. It used to be back in the day that if somebody was addicted to something, it was like a moral behaving, uh, uh, failing, right? You're a bad sure. person. You're a weak-willed person. You can't mm-hmm. do this. And so that's why you are an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. I know in, in, in grad school, when I was in grad school, I'm sure you experienced the same thing. It was like a, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not that clear cut, right? right? There's a lot of science coming out saying that actually there's some brain chemistry that can make some people more prone to addictive behaviors than others, right? Yeah. And the recovery process, I mean, it's it's like treating a disease mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, has that kind of been your take also? Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I appreciate the, that there's efforts for that that to be more more understood than just the the moral failing. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, I think nobody chooses to wake up one morning and say, you know what, I'm going to be addicted to something. Exactly. <laughs> nobody right. chooses that, right? Mm-hmm. There's something that is causing that to happen, and it takes time. Yeah, definitely. Time, and okay patience. To, yeah, add in so, something I've heard a lot connected yeah. with addiction too is kind of a, a lack of connection, um, increased isolation, like a sense that whatever, we've talked about multiple things about why people might be turning to substances, right. but also lonely, feeling lonely, feeling disconnected from people. Like, yes, just yeah. saying there's lots of reasons. You know, the, la- the, the as we're wrapping this up, one of the other things that I've heard a lot, um, and actually it was addictions counselor who told me this, that if you're not preparing for relapse, then you're preparing for failure, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. so often people want to make change. They have every intention of making change mm-hmm. and change is hard. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you're going to fall back into patterns 
and you're going to come out of it again, Mm -hmm. right? Not giving up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I guess, and, and I'm curious on your take on this also, that's a little bit about reminding people about hope. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I, that's a, a a huge category um, that is important in like all the counseling work that I do. And um, again, I mean, yeah, I'm just thinking that phrase preparing for relapse. It's just making me think what are the things that need to be in place? Um, the people, the resources, and just like, again, so you can be reminded too that you're not a failure, that it's not, right. this is not going to persist forever. Like um, it is okay to mess up. And, and this is now, this is what I built to kind of help me get back on track. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, we, we, we haven't really discussed this much yet, but um, how did you get into this kind of work? Because, you know, as you were saying that one of the things I was thinking was mm-hmm. um, if, if I was defined by every failure I had, <laughs> there is no way I'd be where I am right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of what got me into this work is I fell down, I got back up, but other people helped me get there and I want to do that for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm curious about you. How did you get into this line of work? Totally, yeah. Oh, yeah. I appreciate hearing that part of your story. Yeah, um, yeah, I think... I've always had kind of a, (laughs) what I call like certain raw materials um, Mm -hmm. that came together with a lot of interest. Uh, I think a lot of people in the realm of psychology and counseling are like, um, at least part of the motivation was why, why am I the way I am? Why, why is my family the way my family is? Why, you know, why do I show up in the world the way that I do? So it was a combination of like um, being with people and their stories was like, uh, just really where I wanted to be. And then incorporating the aspect of healing, mm-hmm. kind of going through some self-healing and then like, how can I journey with others in that um, is why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the Center for Human Services because mm-hmm. um, it's really a cool thing y'all are doing because you're serving yeah. the Bothell community and mm-hmm. UW Bothell is part of the Bothell community and yeah. we're going to continue to grow as our residence halls continue to open up as well. Yes. What what kind of services do y'all offer that like students should be aware of? Yes, definitely. I'd love to talk about this because um, I'm just really impressed that this program, um, which is grant based, is uh, offering free counseling resources to any resident of Bothell. I imagine that the counseling center at UW Bothell is amazing, and I'm sure there's some limits <laughs> to capacity, and so. I I hope that students can hear this. If there's a wait list, if there's something, if you get so many sessions and you need more, um, we are a resource. So mental health counseling, uh, case management for kind of like the stuff of life. Like Mm -hmm. um, I need help with groceries, with gas, with finding a job, you know, we have that and connection to substance use um, help, um, psychiatric help. So we have a lot to offer and I'm, I'm excited to get more connected with the community. That's amazing. Well, we'll definitely link over to the website in this episode um, right. and continue to refer folks over there um, for, for additional services because it's, it's awesome what y'all are offering over there. Awesome. Thank you so much. 
Thanks to Christine Lay from the Center for Human Services Bothell office for joining me this week. You can reach out to them for more support if you live in Bothell, including here on campus. Now, if you don't live in Bothell and are struggling with addiction or know someone who is, you can call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline anytime, any day. The number is 1-800-662-4357. We'll also put that information in the description of this week's episode. Thank you for joining us this week. And as always, email us your comments or episode ideas. We'd love to hear from you. My name is Randy Scott. Remember, you got this. The Crow's Nest podcast represents the opinions of the host and the guests on the show. The content and views do not necessarily represent the views of the University of Washington. The content on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute advice or services. Because every person is unique, make sure you consult with a professional about your specific questions and individual health care needs. If you need immediate mental health support, call 988. Visit 988lifeline.org or access care anytime using the My SSP app.